Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, June 26th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And every day we put the fun in functional sports content as well as give you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Kevin, big time week we had, right? The NBA Association and the owners formally came to agreement and we know everyone's going down to Orlando and testing is going on as well. Same story in baseball. They formally came to agreement. We have some dates. We have some details. And, you know, players are testing positive as well. But, you know, I went into the details of the deal because early in the week, remember I mentioned to you, Kev, that if they were to have accepted one of the back and forth proposals, there was the opportunity for some of the other kind of tinkering that they were doing, the playoff expansion key in my opinion. But because instead Manfred is imposing the season, it kind of defaults back. So I wanted to see what are the details? What are the formats? What are some of the changes that we can expect? And Kev, there are some, all right. The two most notable that I think we've talked about the most is the fact that Yes, in this season, there will be a universal DH, even though it wasn't really in the March agreement to implement the universal DH. They can still get it in under the cover of a safety protocol from the March agreement. But as we discussed this year, there's only going to be 10 teams in the playoffs, right? So this idea of the expanded and the variance that we have been talking about, what that could mean for teams we like, like the White Sox or the Angels or what have you. They're not going to do it this year. And the other part that's big to me on this, Kev, is we all knew that the expanded playoffs was the opportunity to recoup some of the lost revenue, right? And now that's not going to happen either. I think it's an interesting tack that the players took. They almost cut their nose off to spite their face. Yeah. It, it, and again, it's why I think these grievances, it's hard for us to break them down. It's hard to say the effectiveness of them or how impactful they will be, but they're not going away. They very much show fought for the right to have that ability. It seems to file these grievances and in essence, maybe to make a stand against the owners. Now I would have loved to seen the expanded playoffs. I think baseball, you know, to be fair in 162 game season, you know, maybe need expanded playoffs because at that point, you probably know who is who. I mean, it's been 162 games. Right, right. But in, a, you know, again, over when you're 60. <laughs> over 60, I, I think there's a lot to be argued that you can expand that playoff field. And I think why it would have been big for this year, Dane, is it's that extra incentive to me because showing up is not like an obvious thing. No matter how many people I think are oh, these guys are making millions. What happened to love? Showing up for this season is not an obvious thing. Right. If all of a sudden now you say, oh, wow, over 50% of the teams in the league are going to get in. I got a great shot at being in the postseason. It might give you that extra nudge. Yeah, absolutely is possible. Remember, even in the NBA, you talk about kind of the teams and the players that have the legacy on the line, right? Well, it opens up the door for more players. You know, Mike Trout comes to mind right off the bat, right? Having an, uh, the opportunity to truly build that, you know, all-time uh, resume or legacy. You know, another detail that we talked about on yesterday's show that I think is really interesting, I want to bring up again, is the trading deadline. The trading deadline is going to be, it looks like, on August. August 31st, and that's like halfway through the season, and we talked about it before. You know, Kev, if half of the season is gone, let's say 30 out of the 60 games are gone, or 35, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. If you're 10 and 20 after 30 games, right, playing at a 333 winning percentage, and someone else who's in, you know, first place 
is playing at a 667 clip, which is really good, okay, you know, for a winning percentage. That's the difference of being 10 and 20 after half of the season and 20 and 10 after half of the season. And so if you were that level of bottom feeder, only winning a third of your games, you're still only 10 games out of the best record in the league and probably within reach of that second wild card, even though there is just the five teams in each league for the playoffs, right? So like, I honestly believe if you're 10 and 20 after 30 games, you may be chasing someone that's like 16 and 14 and only be six games back with another 30 left to play. How, how bad do you have to be to be out of it and ultimately be a seller. Because honestly, winning at like a three, 300 or 350 winning clip, I don't think puts you out of it. Yeah, so last season, the best you know regular season winning percentage sure. was uh, .660 for the Astros. That's just a hair under exactly two-thirds, right? So 20 and 10 after 30. And then your worst in the league was the Tigers at .292. So, Second worst was the Orioles at a bang on 0.333. There okay? you go. So, so that's what we're talking about. Literally 10 and 20 versus 20 and 10 after half the season. And the, and see, and, and the reason why that's that example that you're offering is important is for people to understand that those are basically the winning percentages of the best team in baseball. That's the extreme, right. <laughs> right. And the worst team in baseball. Like the gap between the, the entire league will be within in 10 the games. Middle. That's will be within 10 games thing. half the season. Yeah. The, the gap between the Astros and the Orioles last year, 53 games. We're talking about a 10 game gap. Now, when teams have to decide thing, if they're going to be sellers or not. Yeah. Now, the first thing I think that this is, is it's something that we very briefly, briefly had touched on is the idea of the single season winning percentage record up for grabs. Oh, right. Similar to the batting average title, similar to the ERA title. I think the idea that a team is 25 and five, as much as that's like, whoa, that's crazy. That's possible. People get off to really hot starts, right? Yeah. And it, that's just, it's a 30 game sample size, but that's still to suggest again, you might be through 30 games of the season looking at it. Do you say five, Five teams are out. I guess the question becomes, right, is it, okay, look how many teams you'd need to jump. The other side of this coin is that means that there's going to be a lot of value in being one of the few sellers. Because, okay, because the market will because, come to you, supply and demand. Because you're going to have 25 teams looking to buy. Right, right. There's only five of you that are going to be selling. There's going to be a limited amount of pieces that if you're a bottom five team have to offer, right? Guys that you don't see as a part of your future and guys that can actually help these other ball clubs. So that's where I would say, yes, there is a world where nobody should be selling. But maybe those five teams that say it's worth it, you could they might be able to get more than usual. That is possible. So, hey, Jonathan VR over there on the Marlins, if someone needs speed, they may be able to get a King's Ransom for him. That does make sense. You know, a couple of other things that we knew about, uh, the idea of the expanded rosters, you know, they're going to start with 30, then go down to 28, then go down to 26. But we talked about the taxi squad. Remember, they're going to ultimately have 60 players available, the full 40-man roster, a 20-person taxi squad. But then... You know, they are going to tinker, right? And we didn't have the expanded playoffs, but they are going to have the idea, because trying to reduce the extra innings, this idea of the runner starting on second base in extra innings. That is going to happen. I learned a detail about that, though, yesterday, Kev. I don't know if you, maybe you knew this inherently. I didn't. That runner, though, is the guy who made the last out in the previous inning. OK, um, and so it could be like your real slow catcher. It could be your cleanup hitter. And the, the little footnote is that it's the guy who made the last out of the previous inning or a pinch runner for that person. And I think that makes it interesting. I think that means that there is some level of strategy, right? Because listen, if you got a real slow guy, a power hitter, your catcher on second base to start off the inning, that's one thing. But if you can decide to pinch run for them, 
then you could have the leadoff hitter, you know, sack bunt right out of the gate, you know, in a kind of different way. Did you know that kind of detail that it had to be the last out and that you could pinch run? And what kind of elements of strategy do you think that does actually introduce? Yeah, well, I was curious how they were going to set up yeah. that exact runner if it was just going to be a designated guy that had right. a second each no, and the every time. Out. The thing is, now bunting is going to be more valuable than it usually is, right? right? The Out thing of the leadoff spot of the inning, yeah. My thing is, like, are we – this is why it's a little gimmicky, right? So I get up first. Bunt, sack fly, out. We got our run. And the next inning, bunt, sack fly, out. We got our run. Now, I know it's not that easy, right? right. Obviously, I'm saying it. And making it sound like that's a simple thing. Got to execute to do. still those plays, right? But like, that's not exciting to me. Like teams just going up, bunt, like they're not. It's almost as if they're well, not. Are you always playing for one though? Run. Maybe teams are not doing that. You know? Sure, sure. And it'll depend on the batters that'll be at the plate. I'm not saying that everybody's going to always play for one, but I would say this: if the first team at bat doesn't right. get, if I'm the home team and you don't second, score. I'm bumping out the gate. Yes, absolutely. It's going to always be playing for one. I just personally would have preferred three-inning limits ties. I just think that would have been the idea that you get, like, being on second with nobody out is so valuable. Yeah, the run like, expectancy, they, they 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 do this, right? There's numbers that crunch this. We'll bring them up. But the run expectancy is very high if you have a man on second and nobody out. Right, I, so I just... I don't feel like that's like a, oh, it's still a difficult thing to do. I mean, yes, in that sense, of course, it's a, it's not, like, again, it's not a gimme. But, boy, is that a massive edge. And, and I'm not saying that each team, it's, it's the edge is given across the board. I would have just rather seen, you know, these teams play three extras. And if they get there, right, 10, 11, 12. And if not, it's a tie. And yeah. the thing is, like, I guess, you know, you could say in baseball, ties sound impure. But the thing is, the reason you're putting the guy on the second on second is to avoid a 19 in a game. You right. haven't done that. You haven't. In theory, in you, theory you have. Similar like in, sh- in soccer when they go to a shootout. In theory, the shootout can go forever. But it doesn't, you know, because they are trying to minimize the game. It is very interesting. But that's why they don't do those shootouts like or the extra time. They just end in a draw during right. a lot of those matches. No, I think you're right. Like, the, the the goal here is to reduce the 17 innings, six and a half hour game. The question is, will it? It's going to be very interesting. When we come back, there's also another rule that was supposed to start this season anyway. And I wonder how that works in this max effort season that we have. I also want to talk through, Kev, some of the safety protocols that I'm learning in baseball and figure out. How the hell are they going to actually do these? We're off and running. It's the early line. We're going to continue to talk about it and give you the edge right here. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line, everybody. Kevin and I have been going through some of the details of what we're learning about the Major League Baseball return to play. And because it's not going to look the same, Kev, you know, we're going to have a DH in the National League. We will have the same playoff format. But, you know, one of the more interesting things is this idea that in the 10th inning, we're putting a running on second base to start off. And I think it's interesting for, you know, team strategy. Quite frankly, like I'll tell you the God's honest truth. I'm going to have someone on my roster that's a straight runner. You know, and I am going to pinch run unless that last out was, you know, my number three hitter or someone I really need. I'm going to pinch run. I'm going to tell that dude steal third right off the bat because he's so great at this one skill that he can't be stopped. And then I'm going to have a man on third with nobody out and I'm going to score a damn run in the 10th inning. You know, and I I wonder if teams will consider that approach. Yeah, I think maybe this is why, because we've seen that the rosters, you mentioned it, that they're going to start with 30 and they're going to be brought down. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe they are trying, I don't know, trying to avoid people having legitimate track stars on their bench because, like, why wouldn't you just put a track star on the bench, like, and and give it a go? I think the other thing that is maybe a relief for people, maybe not, 
But you ever seen like those extra inning bad beats games, you know? Yeah, man. Two two the whole way, and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the walk off grand slam. It still isn't over. <laughs> yeah, like and all of a sudden the thing goes over, like those type of things. I just I wonder if now we're looking at really one run in extras, which helps people because we know how much like overtime losses throughout sports like will really it, that's a real crushing blow. Um, especially when you bet an under, um, that's, that's always kind of, you know, that's, that's just never what you want to see. So <laughs> maybe, maybe that is limited. That's true. Uh, it, it may be that I will remind you though, this year, anyway, they were expanding from the 25 man roster to the 26 man roster. Okay. That was added anyway. And I said, then I'd make my 26 man be a speed guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe they are, you know, going down. But I do think that role is even more valuable with the format. Another thing, if you don't remember, Kev, that was supposed to be implemented this year was the idea of relief pitchers who come in would have to face a minimum of three batters, if you remember this, right? Because this was all under the, under the guise of the pace of play. Right. Games were taking mm -hmm. three and a half, four hours. We needed these millennial fans to come on back with the short attention spans or whatever it was. And no, Kev, I'm not painting all the millennials with the broad brush. But this was what baseball sought to do. And mm -hmm. one of the ways they did it was by trying to reduce the mound visits, the pitching changes and have this three batter minimum. We have talked about how this season dudes are going to be able to max effort empty the tank more than ever before now and i thought they would be able to kind of mix and match even a little bit more uh with only 60 games right don't matter you don't need that rest day go out and get it does it give you cause for pause knowing that the uh three batter minimum will still be in play and intact for this season is there any impact there or is it you know not really that big of a deal to you it, it is impressive how frequently boomers can't understand millennials, I guess. I, I mean, like, if we're going to play this game. I gave game, my disclaimer, though. No, 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 I get that, right? But it doesn't mean it's not real. It doesn't mean that their thought process is not what you said. Mm -hmm. And I've never heard when someone lists their complaints for baseball go, and another thing, next time a relief pitcher comes in and throws to one batter, Right. I've never. I think it's about games taking three and a half hours long in general, and the constant late inning pitching changes adding to that overall time. When the game is on the line and I is intense, people don't you, care. Like it's that's not a thing. Like you have 162 games, and you are like Mike Trout's. Like I'm not a star, and Rob Manfred's like it's your fault. Hey, dude, figure it out and stop worrying about relief pitcher limits. The rule stays in. Okay. I think it's person personally. I think it's silly. I've always appreciated the ability to yell at whether Joe Girardi should or shouldn't have messed around with the bullpen too Bring much. Bring in the lefty. Right, right, yeah. right. Like, I've, always I've actually enjoyed that aspect of baseball when mm -hmm. you get to like, Look at how the manager handles the bullpen. Oh, he relied right. too much on lefty-lefty, or he didn't rely enough on lefty-lefty. I actually, they're taking away something that I've enjoyed about baseball. How impressive is that? Because <laughs> the things that you enjoy seem to be few and far between to start off with. And I'm interested, like, we're talking about the union and all this, right? In the same way that I said the DH would never go away because it would lose jobs for people and the union would never let that happen, the lefty specialist, the guy who would come in, get that one tough lefty out, and then call it a day, now has to face three. And if he gets blown up by these righties, I wonder what their job security is like moving forward. But, you know, Kev, the other thing I wanted to get into here in this segment is – the protocols on the testing and the safety and the COVID stuff that goes around Major League Baseball, some of them make sense. Okay. Some of them are a little weird. Let me go through some of them with you. First, the ones that seem basic, normal, like cool, no problem. They're going to test players every other day. Got it. They're also going to give you temperature checks or symptom reviews twice a day. Makes sense, right? Now, that part I get. 
Listen to some of these other things, Kev, and you know how baseball goes, right? One, the other players and personnel will have to sit in the stands in a socially distant way, okay? The players that have to be in the dugout or the bullpen have to be wearing masks in the dugout or the bullpen. There is no contact with other players. They've specifically identified no high fives, no fist bumps, no hugs to celebrate, walk off home runs, stuff like that. They've also said no sunflower seeds or tobacco or spitting stuff of any kind. Okay. And then here's a very interesting one, Kev. Balls will be taken out of play after they have been touched by multiple players. Kevin, that's every single pitch. Yeah. Every single pitch is touched by two players, the pitcher and the catcher. Every pickoff attempt is touched by two players. Every ball that is hit and put in play is touched by multiple players. So if baseball had a pace of play issue on its hands already to the point where they're literally making rules about mound visits and things of this nature, pitch clocks, remember that? Kev, there was gonna be a pitch clock at for, at for uh, a while. How are they going to manage this little bullet point of balls being taken out of play when it's touched by multiple players? That's literally every pitch, Kev. This is why my faith in baseball is never going to be as high as other people, I guess. This is so simple, right? You can see it playing out now. They're in the room. What safety and protocols do we need? Testing, good idea. What, uh, what socially, ah, good stuff with that socially distance. I got one. If anybody touches the baseball, throw it out. Nailed it. And nobody went, hey, that's every single time. Nobody? Nobody? Because the thing is, right, if they're aware of this caveat, right, hey, what about every single pitch, right? I guess it means, like, the umpire has to throw the ball, a new ball back. But the thing is... Th or you have a little mound on the... You have a little mound, a crate of balls next to you on the mound. I don't know. But let's be honest. It's not what they mean, right? They mean if a ball's put in play, right? I that, guess. There's no way they have... A, they have... Enough baseballs. <laughs> that's, like, 500 baseballs a game. I don't know. Right? I honestly they, don't know. That's why I brought it up. Right? Like, that's not going to happen, right? So they, they, uh, they have to, they have to mean that if it's put in play, how can they not get the wording correct of that? I don't know, man. Well, they, they it, mean, it said a ball is thrown out if it's touched by multiple players. I know you're thinking that maybe they got the wording wrong, but I, I think they're serious, Kevin. I, I think they're serious. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think they're serious. Hey, what about warming up? You know when you play catch? Throw yes. it here to the side. Throw it back to the... I, it well, is crazy. Like, to be honest with you, the idea of after every single time a baseball is touched, we throw it out, as a whole, bad idea. You're, you're, it's not an achievable thing. And if you've let ev everybody that's there, right? I mean, they're going to be touching a bunch of different things. Let's be honest here, right? They are. They're, they're, they're in because you're saying that they have a negative test result. I get it. You thought you were doing a good thing. But now, what happened? Like, hey, are you going to enforce it? No. So why'd you put it in there? I mean, it's the same thing with the spitting, right? right. If a guy spits on the mound, are you going to get fined? No. Yeah. No. Strike comes up to bat. I have no idea, like, bro. <laughs> it's crazy. You're right. And how are they going to manage this? But is it really? I, I, it makes me think about other sports, though. Multiple people touch the basketball on every play. Multiple people touch the football on every play. You know what I mean? Like, if this is a... No, I LeBron hear you. passes the ball to Kuzma, and then they go, timeout! And then they <laughs> put the ball to the side, and now it's Kuzma's possession where he caught it. I don't know. I don't know. It's like... 
stop motion game. It's very interesting. I don't know. We'll have to keep our eye on this one, Kevin. There's also, listen, I think this does make sense. They've been going back and forth in baseball between the 10-day DL and the 15-day DL in recent years, if you remember. They're going to have a 10-day DL, but they're going to have a separate, I think this makes sense, a separate COVID DL, which does not have a time frame, no minimum, no maximum, just get through the clearance testing protocol and you'd be good to go. I do. Here's another one that I do think is interesting. I'll see how it plays out. Major League Baseball has the right to relocate a franchise if there is a spike in COVID in that market. Okay. So they can move the Miami Marlins and be like, nope, you're playing over here, which I think is interesting. The last thing I will say is that, you know, when you start testing people, you start getting positive tests. And um, we have seen that a number of the Toronto Blue Jays have tested positive. And I think that's incredibly interesting. As I've said before, when you throw a second country into the mix and quarantine regulations, I mean, Kev, we're here in New York. We're now you know, holding out people from nine states. So how's that gonna work when teams come in and out of playing the Yankees? You know, But I think that part makes sense. We gonna get some positive tests, bro. I, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, New York's trying to stop people from other states like coming saying, in. Yeah. I don't know how that's supposed to play out. We, you probably need a new place for Toronto to play now. Florida, are they gonna figure it out that's by Texas July twenty Places are spiking. Yeah, like there's again, like they've they've got more things that they need to figure out, and they've given themselves an interesting amount of time. Absolutely, when you test. You find more cases. That's the case in the NBA as well. We'll talk about it when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Watching Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge here on Sports Grid. And Kev, I got to tell you the truth. One of the things we've been learning is it's going to be real hard to give people the edge when we have no idea on a day-to-day basis who's available or not, right? Herman Edwards says the greatest ability is availability and We have no effing clue how that's going to play out. Literally, yesterday at this time, our guy Cam Stewart was like, oh, I like Brooks Kepka." And then 20 minutes later, there was no more Brooks Kepka to like. So I think it really does complicate things in a way like we've never seen before. And we expect that anytime we start testing. The the NBA is starting to really do that in earnest. Yes, some players have declared and taken the choice that they will not come. But for those who will report, the next step is to test them. And, you know, Kev, we're seeing 52% of the Orlando airport. We're seeing 10% of the Clemson team. You know, we're seeing pockets everywhere. We're seeing spikes in states. So it would be ridiculous to assume that NBA teams would somehow magically be, you know, avoid this. And so as we're testing, we're starting to see positive cases. Specifically, the Sacramento Kings may have a hot spot on mm. their hands. Um, I heard three players of the Sacramento Kings tested positive. One is Alex Len, one is Jabari Parker, but one is Buddy Heald. And, you know, so we've talked about this also, Kev, right? If it's a bench player, it's a glue guy, a role player, or their leading scorer, it's going to be very different. I know the Kings are also not one of the teams that have, in most people's eyes, a legitimate chance to contend, but they will be in the bubble. And just because, you know, this will happen to the Kings, it doesn't mean that championship contenders are immune. We're starting to get a picture of, you know, you test people, they come up positive, Kev. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the King situation is an interesting one because it might lend to the idea that if one gets it, it's almost inevitable that another and then another will get it. Um, it. Now, we don't have and we shouldn't really, I guess, be given this information, but it depends. right? We don't have the idea of like how deep are they into having – Right. COVID. Are they that's all symptomatic? Are they all right? yeah, asymptomatic? Like that's right. all 
Um, you know, th- those are all different kind of pieces of information. I thought, like, we saw with Jabari Parker's announcement, though, right? Like, it was, Jabari Parker has COVID, we'll go with Team to Orlando. Right. There, there is something to this idea that these th- that those statements being paired together. It was very comparable to what happened with Jokic. Jokic has tested positive for COVID, hopes to be in Denver next week. Right. The COVID scare, case-by-case basis, of course, right? But for even those that have it, like, it seems like it's a lot more maybe about a situation where somebody doesn't want to bring it to someone. And spread versus, it. Versus... I have it, asymptomatic, I feel good, and I'm going. I I just think that that's interesting. And the other thing to me that, again, is really interesting, and this is why I've, I've, you know, highlighted that gap between the NBA and MLB. We're less than a week away from the training camps beginning in Major League Baseball. We are about two weeks away from these teams going to Orlando, where then you still have... another set of, you know, still a gap before the games would take place. Like, I just think, I don't know. And again, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, foolish, but if they really are going to be able to get everybody to that enters Orlando to be without COVID, you got to think that gives them a pretty good chance of, you know, being able to really minimize its impact on their actual season. That is true. That is true. I mean, I just, again, point you in the direction of so many other unknowns that are there, right? If you test negative one time, that doesn't necessarily mean you won't test positive in four days because of the gestation period, let's say. We've talked about the idea of the staff, employees, the hotel staff coming in and out of the bubble. You've also mentioned the idea of... um, We're still learning about potential longer-term effects of having COVID, even if you were asymptomatic at start, um, especially for guys that may have asthma or something of that nature. And there is always the idea of you can be asymptomatic and still spread the virus, right, which is clearly another issue. Now, those were the Kings, and three out of the 12 members of the Kings tested positive. That's 25%. What about, I know you said there's been some other tests that have starting to come down the pike as well. Yeah, Malcolm Brogdon uh, is the big one that we saw with the Indiana, uh, the Indiana Pacers, a comparable situation to what I mentioned with Jabari Parker, where we got, uh, you know, the word from Brogdon, and it said he looks to be joining team in Orlando. Um, We also saw Derek Jones Jr. uh, of the Miami Heat test positive for COVID. So what's interesting, right, is with those isolated situations, right? So we had Jokic's situation. We see him have the photo um, then with, you know, Jokovic, right, the the tennis player. And um, you kind of – okay, that's where you got COVID, right? Serbians unite, yeah. You're in Serbia, like – this isn't a Denver Nuggets problem, right? Then we get the Sacramento Kings situation. Right. Where that doesn't feel coincidental, right? Have they been working out? What's the situation there? Okay, yeah. that's that situation. And then we have, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. Now, Malcolm Brogdon is actually someone that we saw going out and protesting, if you remember, with Jalen Brown. True. Um, now, it doesn't mean that's where he got it. Again, we don't know. Just saying, like, but has, how, how has Malcolm Brogdon been around other Indiana Pacers? He's the only name that we've heard now in a, in a certain time Test frame. tracing. That's what's supposed to happen, right? Right. And I think, you know, Derrick Jones Jr., now again, all of the, every single one of these teams matter, right? But Derrick Jones Jr. is on the best team thus far, right, that we've seen from this new round of Well, the Nuggets are pretty good. But again, but, but we're able to isolate the Jokic thing, right? Because okay, we, okay. We know he's You're calling like uh, a domestic pocket <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying is we don't know if the Derek Jones Jr. one is going to have a similar impact with the Kings where two or three other guys then have positive tests the other thing though that again I, I can't help but bring up is that some of these teams have been hit with COVID like the Lakers had That's, we multiple heard about. players test positive we never got names and that's why that story was never that big, right? Right. The Nets exactly as well. The only name we got isn't going to Orlando. It's Kevin Durant, massive name. But we don't know who's showing up 
from the Nets. And that's this other whole idea of like antibodies. Are you can are you now right. immune? And people don't, you know, it's hard to, you know, figure out kind of those situations. I just it does seem though as if the you know, again, the NBA has a, a bit more experience with it. But yeah, this is another reason why, Dan, we were talking about trying to hold off a bit on those NBA futures markets if you can, just because tomorrow you, there might be a name and that name might say, I'm definitely yeah. not showing up. And that name could be a lot bigger or it could be on a the title contender with a lot shorter odds for the championship. We just don't know. But it does stand to reason, right, Kev? This idea what multiple kings. And we've seen this. This is not just in the world of sports, okay? This is how these spread and cross entire, you know, nursing homes. Or there's events that become super spreaders. Or if someone in your family has it, it's likely that three other people living in the same quarters have it. That's what happens when teams meet together, to be quite frank. That's why I'm worried about the NFL when position groups meet together and four offensive linemen go down in one week or, you know, like a quarterback and the backup quarterback go down or a place kicker and the punter go down in the same week. So it does make sense. But you talk about those futures bets and we've talked about variants before. One of the things I wanted to ask you, you know, I saw a report Talking about Giannis, now that's a big name. And we don't remember necessarily that at the beginning of March, before this break happened, he was missing time. Remember, he had that capsule issue in his knee. But, you know, he's out there saying he's 100%. He's ready to go. The head coach is like, yeah, we're happy that, you know, he's going to be back and ready. But I draw your attention to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, the Eastern Conference bets, where Milwaukee is still such a favorite at minus 175. Then you got teams at 7-1, to 8-1, 9-1, right? And the idea of the variance, you and I both thought the Bucks could be had maybe in a playoff format or a playoff series anyway. I want to get some actual, you know, insights on bets in on this show instead of just talking about DHs and runners on second base. With the variance at play, yeah. and we don't know, you know, who's going to test positive. Middleton goes down. Who the hell knows, right? It makes me think, not only because I have the Celtics in the heat already, but maybe trying to play a couple of these guys to beat Milwaukee is the mm -hmm. way to go here in the East. Do you agree with that thinking? And if so, would you try to bet like two teams, three teams? Technically, you could cover Boston, Toronto, Philly, and Miami as an outlay. And still, you know, if any four of them, you know, half the field come back and actually get to the finals— you're in plus money. How far would you go covering more on these futures bets, given the idea that you're hesitant on futures bets, but, you know, Milwaukee's such a dominant favorite in the East that the variants, they're right for the picking. So my thing with Milwaukee is, and I know I could be wrong here, but let's just say they get to the conference finals, right? Yeah. Now, because the, the standings can move, that they could go to the conference finals and they could see any number of these teams, right? Sure. At this point, yeah. Do you believe that they will be a minus 200 favorite on a series price over the Celtics, Raptors, Heat, or Sixers? Right. I think those four teams, I'm starting to think I could lay all four of those teams, right? Call it a four-unit outlay. And if the shortest odds of them all come in, which is Boston at 7-1, to one, that's four outlay. I ultimately get my unit and seven more back. I've doubled my money, even if the shortest price among them come in. And then I just add real quick, Kev, our friends at FanDuel have an odds boost for the Philadelphia 76ers, changing their odds from 9-1 to one to 14. 15 to 1. I don't know that I'd go as far as Indiana, Brooklyn, and the rest, but I'm sort of thinking that all four of those other legit contenders, Boston, Toronto, Miami, and Philly, could be an interesting way. Yeah, I, 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 I'm again, I'm not, you know, someone who's like, oh, my line says it's this, but I just feel as if that Milwaukee minus 175 for the entire conference finals might be what their series price number looks like, maybe even lower. I just don't know if there's any value on them. So inherently, all of these other teams, I think, are presenting nice numbers. All right, fair enough. We'll continue to look at it. And remember, it'll move as more and more players opt in or out or test positive. A very fluid situation, pardon the pun. When we come back, we go to German soccer. It's the final match day in Bundesliga. A lot of stuff on the line. We'll talk about it after this.
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we turn our attention to Bundesliga. Listen, we've been following German soccer because they were one of the first back. So we really need to, you know, tie a bow on it because this weekend is the final match day of the season. We already know that Bayern will be crowned champ. But there is an interesting battle for that final Champions League spot, Kevin. We want to talk about it. Remember last week, I was like, well, if Leipzig, kind of defecates the mattress, then both uh, kind of Gladbach and Leverkusen would be in line to potentially leapfrog them. Leipzig did lose, but then Leverkusen couldn't take advantage and get to within range, so Leipzig will pretty much be in the top four. It's mm-hmm. between Gladbach and Leverkusen for the fourth spot. I think that's got to be the kind of premier focus on this match day, right? Which of these two teams gets that final Champions League spot out of Bundesliga, and it's coming down to Gladbach or Leverkusen? Yeah, so this is really, really uh, interesting here. And one of the things you'll notice uh, using the odds over at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now, for the most part, they have certainly handicapped as the teams that are playing for something. For those that don't know, this is our final match day here in the Bundesliga. Um, So those teams that need these games, we've got Gladbach as a minus 320 favorite against Hertha Berlin. Would they be favorite against that game? Yes. That's a Dortmund-Bayern-ish level price. And then Leverkusen is a minus 390 against Mainz. But for people to look at this situation here, again, fourth gets you into Champions League, fifth gets you into Europa. There's a gap there. You want to be able to make it up. They, Gladbach is in fourth on 62 points to Leverkusen's 60. So a draw for Gladbach and a win for Leverkusen, 63 points. The problem for Leverkusen is right now Gladbach has nine goals, right? A nine, a plus nine goal differential. And the teams are aware of this, right? They're like, oh, don't look at the standings, control what you can control. No. Look at the standings, know your situation here. Gladbach is playing a tougher game to me as well. In Hertha Berlin, the draw is plenty fine for them. And again, I know you might say, well, you never know. Maybe Leverkusen beats Mainz by 10 goals. No. No. Listen, if you want to cover yourself, then you can bet Leverkusen on a spread. I think the way I would look at this game, because to me, Dane, there's already going to be some value given to you with the... Like, the fact that they're expecting people to say, oh, Gladbach needs this, doesn't dominate. A plus 480 draw. It took us all this time. You know I love the draw, You have to go out with a draw, though, for the final match day. I think a plus 480 draw in Gladbach Berlin is worth the play because that's really all Gladbach needs. And... Berlin isn't, you know, if you if you kind of look at their positioning on the table, they're right. 10th. Not, in, you know, can't move up, can't move down in terms of, you know, where it really sure. is meaningful. Their fate think, is still. I think a draw is on the cards. And, look, you can, you've seen crazy things happen. Now, listen, if Hertha Berlin wins and Leverkusen wins, that's the flop, yeah. Yeah. right? That's the flop. And, it, you know, and if you're a Leverkusen fan, maybe that's what you're out there betting. I would say, though, I think for value purposes, I would take the Gladbach Hertha Berlin draw. All right, sounds like it because you're right. One point should be enough for my adopted pronunciation squad, Borussia Mönchengladbach, to make it in when you consider the goal differential. One other feature that we'll talk about also in all of tomorrow's games in Bundesliga is they're all going off at the same time, Kevin, and that's also important on the final day, right? They do this in the last game of group stages and tournaments as well. So everyone is out there at the same time. No one has to, like, know what they need in order to advance. You know, in this situation, Gladbach, let's say if they played after Leverkusen, would know truly if they're already in, if they just need a draw or what they need. And they try to avoid that situation. All these games will be going off tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. But, Kev, that's not all we got to play for. 
Mm -hmm. All right. You want to win the top of the table? Bayern's there already. You want to qualify for champions? Cool. Leverkusen and Gladbach have to worry about that. You want to get into Europa as well. But honestly, one of the things I think is the most exciting pieces of European soccer, I wish this would come to America on some level. Kev, I wish this would come to fantasy leagues, longtime <laughs> dynasty leagues that I have. Because I got a league with 14 guys in it. We've been doing it for years. And there's another six that want to get in, you know? And I'm like, Maybe we should relegate the two that finish in the bottom and go to, in essence, like, you know, we literally even called it once Syria B, you know, mm, but mm, relegation is on the line as well in this final match day of the Bundesliga season. Take us to the bottom of the table, Kev, and what are the teams and what are they playing for and how do you think it's going to go down? Now, graphics man Steve, cover your ears. Paderborn. Oh, Paderborn. There's nothing they can do. Nah, They're eight points back. Those those eight draws they got certainly helped them. They can be scrappy all they want. Like, they are. I assume that he will be wanting to bet on them for their last game because he's going to expect them to care more than they probably need to. And Paderborn are actually massive dogs uh, going up against Frankfurt. All year, next year in Bundesliga, too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so the interesting spot here is Werder Bremen um, and Dusseldorf. Now, what happens here is 17 and 18 are automatically relegated. So they're now going to go down to Bundesliga 2. Dusseldorf will play a two-leg fixture, a home and an away, in a relegation playoff against the team that finishes in third in Bundesliga 2. With the if they finish 16th, right? The 16th yes. place team. Okay. Yeah. And if you look at it, Augsburg at 15 is six points clear of Dusseldorf. So this and is... Probably could hop Dusseldorf. Yes, but then they'd just be going to the relegation playoff, okay. right? So that so the gap here is automatic relegation or a relegation playoff where Werder Bremen or Dusseldorf would be expected coming up against the third place team in Bundesliga two. But crazier things yeah, have I mean happened. the third place team in Bundesliga two, I don't know. We'd have to ask our guy Martino, but I would assume that it's a team that was in Bundesliga a few years ago and just got relegated because they're the class of Bundesliga too. So they probably had experience at the bottom of Bundesliga at some point, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's uh, I think I'm that's not a Bundesliga awesome. expert. Right. But I think that stands to be logical. Right. So we have now the interesting thing here again: Werder Bremen, Dusseldorf. Talking about you know the two of the bottom three teams in the league. Dusseldorf are road favorites against Union Berlin. Right. They're minus 110 to win that game. Home Union Berlin, again, I know we've seen that, you know, it doesn't matter as much. Union Berlin is 12th in the table Not and are plus 290 to win that fixture. At Werder, home. At home. And then Werder Bremen is home up against 14th place Kohn, right? And Werder Bremen is a minus 165 favorite to Kohn being a plus plus. 400 dog again hmm. to the 17th team in the table. Yeah. Now, like they can be motivated all they want. Do they have the talent to win, Kev? And this is one of the most important things that anything that you get from us here today when we talk about, I don't think you can really run to the window until you get starting 11s. That is so, like, you know that. Obviously, Dusseldorf and Werder Bremen are going to give you their top, uh, right. uh, their top 11s. What's Cologne look like? What's Union Berlin squad look like? Those are going to be, I believe, the important details that now. And again, you have to be quick because if something massive comes out in a lineup move. change, it can move the, you know, of course, the line. But I think that kind of wait and see approach is. I would lean that way, again, if you want to be a bit riskier, because I would tell you this, of the pair here, I think Union Berlin being a plus 290 team, being 12th on the table, if this game, exact fixture to me, Dane, took yeah. place last week, you might flip right. these numbers. Now, I'm not saying the situation is irrelevant. I'm just telling you I think we're looking at a situation here where you might be able to find yourself just trying to take advantage of a nice plus 290 value number. 
That's interesting. I might just wind up taking draws down the board at plus yeah, 400 all that. over the place. If I bet three draws at that plus 400, all I need is one of them to come on in, and I could be stacking that cash. You know, Kev, when I think about the end of a season in other sports here in America, right, you talk about the motivation, what do they have to play for, and some of the things that individuals have to play for all the time, right, are things like their contract incentives, things like their perception for future teams. And I know that that's on the line here in Bundesliga as well. You know, we talked to our guy Martino, and he mentioned that if teams do get relegated, sometimes it changes the calculation for their contracts or they could get bought out or going on loan or sold. And when I think about the economic situation because of COVID in Europe, when I think about teams maybe getting regulated, right, there's got to be some you know, nuggets of players that maybe are still going at it because if they get their 12th goal of the season, it's another half a million pounds or something like that. Or the price tag changes because they're a, a team that's now regulated and they could sell all their players. Are there any sort of interesting nuggets or caveats or details in that kind of vein coming up on this last match day in Bundesliga? I just think in general, right, like if uh, Werner Bremen expects more from themselves than being relegated here. Uh -huh. So you kind of have to know if you're Werner Bremen, like if you drop down to Division 2, that's not all that exciting. You might look to leave the club, but maybe you don't want to leave the club. I think that's where you really, really will see those extra incentives. Of course, a team like Leverkusen would want to be in the Champions League um, there's another interesting spot, too, on the board I would offer to you um, is a U Europa League qualifying position is given to the sixth, uh, sixth place team. Right. So you kind of would probably have a playoff, something Play like in. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So Wolfsburg, Switzerland or something right. like that. Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim are six and seven on the same exact amount of points. Mm -hmm. Incredibly enough, Wolfsburg is going to host Bayern Munich and That's Hoffenheim so is going to travel to Dortmund. Ooh, not so, much better. <laughs> really, a draw for either one of these teams get done. is probably the difference maker. I will say this to you, right? So now the thing is, though, I think and I think they've somewhat adjusted here. Dortmund is only a minus one forty favorite at home. Bayern traveling to Wolfsburg are minus 145 favorites. We've usually seen them over 200 in every game other than that game against Dortmund. I mean, that's closer to where Bayern was right. traveling to Dortmund, that right. minus 145. They're price. baking in this motivation that you're talking about, right, Kev? And it's another spot. I'm not scared to go against the situation bet here and back the two best teams. I don't care what 11 they right. throw out. They'll still have the more talented group and look for them to handle their business and close out their season strong. Yeah, so listen, no shortage of action, no shortage of things still on the line this weekend in Bundesliga. So remember, check it Saturday morning when those 11s come out to figure out where to put your shekels when we come back. Hour number two of the early line. As usual, we turn our attention to the National Football League. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.